Welcome to Hardware Group Chat, a new podcast where we replace those NBA iMessage rants with actual conversations. I'm your host, Karno Sarkar. Joining me for these episodes is my best friends and co-hosts, Moina Gangopadhyay and Neil Bhattacharya. What's up? Round two. Here we go. Let's go. This is our second episode. Uh, how are you guys' weekends? Uh, great, minus our unfortunate poorly officiated loss to Michigan State. It's funny you say poorly officiated now. That wasn't what you're saying on Saturday. I rewatched the tape. It was bad. But <laughs> you know who won? You know who won the game on Saturday? It was actually Vegas. Vegas won. They did. So far, too too many sus calls, dude. So many sus calls. You know, sus calls didn't stop you guys from throwing picks and all that good stuff. You guys blew a 16 point lead in the second half. Dude, Cade, okay, Cade played a great game, and I, I actually, I support Harbaugh on, on, like, his play calls. It just, we just fucked up, like, small things here and there, and, like, every time we almost put you guys away, the refs took it back somehow, but I gotta, I gotta say, dude, Mel Tucker, uh, he's a good coach, like, he, some of those d- defensive plays that he called, like, do you remember that corner blitz that he yes. called when it was third? That was like, really? oh my god, beautiful really? play. Yep. That was a beautiful play call because he disguised uh he disguised the, the blitz up the middle. And then I was like, fuck, like, how did that how did that work? Yeah, that's that's actually Scotty Hazleton. Scotty Hazleton is a defensive coordinator. And this guy, I don't know where he's built from. <laughs> um anyway, for the listeners, um, Warnock and Neil both went to the University of Michigan and I went to Michigan State. And obviously the game was yesterday, or sorry, not yesterday, it was the day before. This is Monday night. Uh, and uh, Michigan State pulled off an unbelievable comeback victory to knock off Big Brother and, you know, become the kings of Michigan. It was uh, quite something. Go Purdue. Purdue. All right, all right. There was a group chat. All right, the group chat that we all talk about, Neil was all about, hey, man, great game, mad respect. (laughs) I don't know how much Neil drank on Saturday, but. All out the window. All I, gone. All gone. All respect gone out the window. I'll, I'll, only, I'll only be humble on the game or the day of the game. After that, it's all out the window. Uh, Amika and I were, were texting Neil during the game. We we're like, dude, this guy is not watching the same game we're watching. <laughs> no, re- realistically, there were like probably two bad calls, but uh, we probably deserve to lose anyway. Uh, the, the, the Michigan fan experience when they lose, <laughs> blame the refs. I was a Michigan fan growing up, so I understand what it's like. Um, but yeah, other than that, this weekend was, um, I mean, the Lions played, and uh, I actually put money on every team facing the Lions as an emotional hedge, and well, I made my money back, but it's emotional. It's emotional wreck nonetheless. Um, but there's a lot of good basketball this weekend as well. Cade Cunningham made his uh, debut in one of the worst, so worst good. offensive debuts in NBA history. Hey man, he was injured. He was injured. He's injured, no. but you can't knock the hustle. He had, uh, I think, seven rebounds in eight minutes. Can't knock that Detroit hustle. We don't need another Andre Drummond again. We need points. He can distribute too. The guy, the guy's not bad. And 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 we won. We won the game. That's true. We did first win one of the year. Probably not because of him, but we did win the game. No, not because it was Kelly Olynyk that actually kind of went in. Good pickup. Surprisingly good pickup. Our bench still some help. Slow, slowest 2K player on earth, but. No, no, no. No, you know who is? Kyle Anderson. Oh, yeah. That, that guy's literally on 0.5 speed. <laughs> He's on uh, Grizzlies, right? Memphis? Yeah. 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 
Unbelievable. Anyway, a uh, lot to go through this, uh, this episode. Um, we have uh, two weeks into the season. Uh, epi- uh, season 75 is two weeks in. And uh, Neil, get us started. Sure. So the Atlantic Division looks pretty good. Uh, I mean, uh, I think almost all the teams that have a winning record so far, they're all playing pretty decently. Um, I don't know what's happening with the Celtics. It's hard to explain what's happening there. Uh, I will say Jalen Brown, I think, is making a case for being, if not as good, slightly, slightly worse than Jason Tatum. Um, I don't think there's much of a difference in terms of risk level. He's balling out. Uh, I don't know why they're losing. I think they're they're playing pretty pretty terrible defense and maybe they're just out of sync, but uh, I think Jalen Brown is probably the one shining light going on the Celtics right now, uh, but they're in a tight game with the Bulls. So. Yeah. As, as, as we're recording this right now, Chicago's up 112, 110 on Boston. So. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Uh, the Knicks are at the top five and one, although probably about to be five and two. Um, they are killing it. I, I think they're a, well, very early to tell, but it seems like they're a pretty legitimate contender. Their team is really deep. Kemba Walker was a great pickup. Rose, obviously, coming off the bench, gives a huge spark. And they're playing some really, really good defense. But uh, we can get into that later. Philly's playing great. The Raptors are are playing really good basketball, especially given how young they are. Uh, their rookie, um, uh, Scotty, is I think he's averaging 17 or 18 a game, something, something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I think I came into the season thinking that the Raptors were going to just do have like a rebuilding year. They, they lost everyone. They lost their all-star point guard, but it doesn't seem like it so far. It seems like the, uh, the young talent there are syncing up pretty well. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, I think things are looking up for the Atlantic division there. Everyone there is playing well, obviously, except for the Celtics, but they're pretty good so far. Yeah, uh, just an update on that. Now it's 114-110, Chicago versus Boston, uh, which takes us to the Central Division where uh, Chicago Bulls, they started off really hot. They were um, the top div- uh, top uh, team in the conference for a while. Cool off a little bit, but it's slightly due to injury. Um, they did lose to the Knicks in a uh, in quite a close game. Uh, they did lose Patrick Williams, a rookie from last year, uh, to a season-ending injury. That's going to be a tough I know Chicago has depth and they have a pretty good bench, but that's going to be a tough defense to replicate and replace. Uh, we'll see how that works. Kobe White is still out and uh, Zach Levine actually has an injury in his uh, thumb. So some injury concerns early on for the Chicago Bulls, but hey, they're still five and one right now and uh, third in the conference. The Cleveland Cavaliers pulled off as we're recording, just are pulling off. I think they actually won it a game against uh, the Charlotte Hornets. Um, so, uh, yeah, they beat Charlotte 113-110 just tonight. Um, they are 4-4 four and four at 500. And uh, Evan Mobley, the third round, the third yeah. pick in the draft, is the second leading scorer on that team. He's also averaging uh, one block a game. So, killing it. Yeah, he is, um, he is really good. Yeah, he is. Um, I mean, I didn't think he would be that impactful on offense that quickly, but he's doing it. He's doing it. He, he could do a little bit more on the boards, but for generating that kind of offense, fantastic. They picked up a key win against the Nuggets and the Clippers, which I guess is not so key given the Clippers' uh, struggles right now, but um, they're looking good, looking good. 
Bucks are sitting in uh, third in the division at three and four. Um, How are they three and four? They've had injuries uh, with uh, Bobby Portis out, uh, Drew Holiday's day to day, Brooke Lopez mm-hmm. is out, and Don- they still don't have Dante DiVincenzo. Um, so uh, that's a tough one. Giannis Antetokounmpo, his three point game is. He, I think he shot 50% in a couple games. Uh, his his three-point shooting is something. It's it's really looking good. So I would not count them out just yet. I think it's just injury concerns, but they're getting it. They're getting there. And uh, Giannis is just being an offensive force. Yeah. Um, Chris Middleton can do a little bit better on the perimeter. Um, he's all right. Um, Drew Holiday is actually surprisingly good right now when he's healthy. Um, but we'll see if that three-pointer is a, um, you know, is it a real thing or is it something just to follow? Um, sitting in fourth are the Indiana Pacers, which I, I alluded to last week. It's uh, it's weird. They always play good basketball, but, you know, it's tough right now. Uh, they're still out with uh, Karis LeVert still out, TJ Warren's out, and then uh, Malcolm Brogdon's day-to-day. So there are some injury concerns there. One thing to note about the Indiana Pacers is Chris Duarte is their third leading scorer. He's a rookie out of Oregon and he is, I think, the second or third most efficient player on that team, according to PER. So something to watch there. Yeah. In last place uh, is our uh, is our favorite team, the Detroit Pistons. They picked up their first win against Orlando last week, or um, was it yesterday or day before? So uh, they got their first win. Cade is finally here. Cade's uh, he's in the NBA. He had a rough start, but um, he has some grit. He has some grind. He can rebound. He can uh, facilitate the offense. He can defend. He's 6'8", and um, I think we're going to pick up some more wins. So watch out for the Pistons because uh, uh, they're coming. You can only hope. They're coming, man. <laughs> I, I, I guarantee. I'm so excited for Kane, man. I'm so, I know he had a rough thing, but it can, it can only go up. And he looks really good on the offense in terms of facilitating and just this hustle. So I'm really excited. Yeah. And to uh, let's uh, let's round out the East. So the Southeast, uh, the Washington Wizards, surprising much. They're five and one right now, um, led by Beal, Dinwiddie, and uh, lo and behold, Kyle Kuzma himself. Um, it's a pretty balanced cast if you think about what their 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 squad right now. I mean, they have KCP, Kuzma, Harrell, basically all the Lakers from last year are now the Wizards um, with, with, with Beal and, and Dinwiddie. So, you know, they have a pretty solid squad, and they're, and they're showing off so far. They're 5-1. and one. Um, in, in second in the division, you got Miami playing great basketball. I was just looking at their stats for the season thus far. They beat, they beat the Nets thus far, but they have three players win, with over 20 points a game, which is really impressive. Adebayo has 20, 21 points. Butler's leading them with 25. and. Uh, can you guys guess who the third 20-point scorer is? Duncan Robinson. Ah, I wish. But it's Jack Harlow's boy. It's uh, it's Tyler Hero. Oh, yeah, it's rebound, rebound season for him. Um, so the Heat are in, uh, in good position right now. Uh, in third, you got Charlotte. Um, and most impressive thing here is Miles Bridges is averaging like 25 or 26 a game right now. Yeah. 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 Improved player. Yeah, it's very, it's really impressive, and like every time he plays, he has like a highlight dunk. So it's uh it's pretty cool to see Charlotte have a winning record. Um, Atlanta's three and three. Not sure what's going on there. Is Trey Young playing? I don't even know, but he is. Uh, he is. Yeah, that's uh, that that you know they're I guess five hundred right now, and then Orlando like 
who even cares? Franz Franz Wagner is the second leading scorer for Orlando right now. If that tells you anything, it's not saying much. <laughs> yeah, so that's the Southeast. I think Washington is probably the biggest surprise thus far, and they do have a good core of a uh, of a young, uh, you know, young squad so far. Great, great. Take it out west, man. Yeah. So uh, going to. Uh, Going to the Pacific, um, let's see what we got here. Um, uh, I'm trying to think like who uh, who right now is really moving up. I think the Jazz are still looking great. Um, they're still uh, they're they're still five and five and one right now. Nuggets uh, four and two. Um, Minnesota three and two. The the Trailblazers are three and four. I, I would have expected more from them this early on in the season. Their trailblazers are usually a pretty good uh, regular season team. Um, it's actually CJ McCollum who's leading and scoring right now at 24 points a game. Um, so not sure if they figured out how to gel quite yet, but interesting to see who comes out on top here. Um, you know, if it, I, I'd say like the jazz are pretty much bringing back their entire team. Uh, they have a strong core um, and uh, I, I could see, I could see the Nuggets being a threat to them, but as long as the regular season goes on, I feel like Utah's three-point game is just very conducive to to getting through. You know, I feel like they're the, they're the guys that are never going to lose um, to like a team that's worse than them in the regular season. They take everything really seriously. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is is leading in scoring with twenty-three points for them uh, on defense. Go Bears, averaging seventeen rebounds a game right now. Pretty wild, seventeen. So uh, really solid effort all around. And I think that rounds out the Northwest. One thing to note is, uh, you know, um, Denver is without Jamal Murray until I think March or April. So if they can just keep floating on, like floating there in that second place, and that I think they're right now third in the conference, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what happens when he comes back because that guy's an elite point guard. Yes, there, <laughs> the Trailblazers, I think, recently played the 76ers and uh they were chanting we want dame in philly that was a, a oh little man it was uh yeah um yeah cj mccollum again was leading and uh mm -hmm. matthias tybel kind of locked down uh dame and cj a little bit so um yeah Interesting. Interesting. i Fork doubt Fork was kind of going in for that team weirdly yeah, yeah. um but yeah okay on to the pacific um obviously the warriors are out on top uh, they look pretty, pretty unstoppable. I, I, I don't know when Clay is coming back. I think they're kind of uh, iffy on that timetable. I mean, maybe he like re-aggravated something apparently, but hopefully it's soon. Uh, he is extremely exciting to watch, and with him back, I mean, I just don't know how they're they're doing it right now. They're five and one without Clay. Um, Jordan Poole stepping up. There's a lot of people stepping up. Obviously, Steph Curry is going to get his own. He's averaging almost 29 a game. Draymond Green's averaging nine rebounds a game. His oh, usual seven, seven assists, yeah. So Andrew Wiggins too. Uh, well, sixteen a game. That sounds like what he usually does. But they look great. Um, the the Lakers. Uh, interesting play. Uh, I don't. It seems like they only win when their resident geriatric Carmelo goes off. Uh, I, he's been I, balling he's yeah. been he's been going off he had 28 i think 
uh, this week once. Yeah, he hit the – Carno is currently doing the uh, three to the dome. Yeah. Classic mellow. But, yeah, he's been he's been hitting the three ball pretty well. Yeah. It's a little concerning that, that he's that important to the team right now. Uh, it shouldn't matter whether he plays well or not, to be completely honest. But uh, hope, hopefully until they figure things out, he's he's playing well. You guys see that LeBron dunk yesterday? Uh, I, I, I don't watch LeBron. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Dude, you're 19. You're 19. Um, the Suns are two and three. Uh, that's a little surprising, but uh, I'm sure they'll figure it out. They have. They, I'm pretty. They brought back almost everyone from their NBA Finals team last year, so I think they'll be fine. Uh, and the Clippers, you know, even without Kawhi, they shouldn't be one and four. And as much as I hate, or no, as much as I love ripping on Paul George, he's been incredible. I think he's averaging 20, almost 28 a game. He's their leading rebounder uh, and scorer. And I think the only person after that is Reggie Jackson with 14 a game. So there's obviously a, a big discrepancy there. I think more more of them need to really step up. Luke Kennard's averaging 12. That sounds about right. But yeah, the rest of the team isn't playing so well. Bledsoe, uh, 10 a game. I mean, isn't should be this should be more um so hopefully the clippers not hopefully i don't like him so hopefully they stay stay losing uh but yeah that i think that rounds out the pacific we'll see uh how it goes so uh the the, the one team that is uh, one of the big contender questions of that uh of the western conference is the dallas mavericks um the newly into jason kidd dallas mavericks uh, they had a three-game win streak uh, that was snapped by the Denver Nuggets, uh, but they were uh, they were on fire for a little bit. The big concern is Luka Doncic is their stat leader for points, rebounds, and assists. Um, the utilization that they're putting on Luka is so high that it makes you wonder is if they can actually sustain that, or if Luka when Luka flames out, um, you know what's going to happen next because they don't really have much after him. Uh, Luke is also with, even though he's leading in points, rebounds and assists, he's averaging four turnovers per game. So the Mavericks live and die by Luka Doncic. And, you know, that's tough because where's the offense going to come from with that? And they have Tim Hardaway, uh, who's good, but he can't carry an offense. And when Lucas takes a break, that offense sputters. And that's what happened with Nuggets. Um, when Luke was out, Nuggets took advantage. I know uh, I feel about Kristaps, too. Yeah, Kristaps is out. He's yeah. not playing. Uh, I think they're trying to work some trades out if they're going to keep him or not. Um, he's voluntarily not, He's voluntarily not playing? No, no. He's out for injury, but, I mean, Kristaps uh, has been out for injury for how many years? Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's a concern. Uh, the Kristaps experiment clearly didn't work, um, and, um, you know, they, they need another playmaker besides Luke or someone to carry the load. Um, in second and seventh in the conference is the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, Memphis Grizzlies have a lot of youth. Um, they have John Morant. They have um, J- Triple J. Uh, Jonas, uh, sorry, um, uh, Jackson, Jaron Jackson Jr., a Michigan State product, and his backup and Xavier Tillman, who's a pretty good role player. He can uh, make an impact coming off the bench. You know who's the second leading scorer right now in the NBA? Who? Ja. Ja. Twenty nine yeah. points a game. Yeah, wow. Ja's going in. Um, ja. That, again, he is uh, kind of leading that team uh, in le- utilization. Um, they do have some pieces, and they are waiting for Dylan Brooks to come back. So when Dylan Brooks comes back, he's out right now. Um, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. I, I think that seven, uh, that seven seed right now is going to – Yeah, they're going to be higher, I think, when Dylan Brooks comes back. 
Um, Kyle Anderson is day-to-day. Um, so Kyle Anderson, again, slowest player in 2K, but um, he can actually make an impact. So we'll see how he uh, performs. And the interesting thing with that Memphis team is they traded Jones Valentunas for uh, Steven Adams. And it is interesting to watch. Um, they have a post presence, which Jonas was, but Steven Adams is a rebound eater. So um, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting transition. Dude, Valanciunas is a tank sometimes. That guy, that guy is a good, he's a good player. I will, yeah. and this is for a different discussion, but I think Jonas Valanciunas is one of the top five uh, big men in terms of just post presence in the league. And we can talk about that later, but I'm a big fan of him. But Steven Adams is a rebound eater. That guy just, he, he, he'll stay out of your way on offense, but he'll just eat rebounds, whereas Valanciunas needs his touches. I think um, it's a give or take for a job there. Yeah. Um, in third is the San Antonio Spurs, who made the worst draft pick in Josh Primero this year when they made him the youngest player to play in the NBA and also um, the, the biggest waste. Um, <laughs> they've lost to the Pacers. They somehow beat the Bucks, which is a weird one, but they've lost pretty much everything before that. They beat the Magic, uh, lost to the Mavericks, lost to the Lakers, lost to the Bucks, or lost to the Nuggets, sorry, and the Bucks. They, they actually finished their, uh, their series with the Bucks, uh, win one, lose one. So interesting there. Um, the DeJounte Murray experiment, um, I don't know. He's at, he is the most points per game, but he's not a 20-point uh, per game player. Um, he's averaging 2.2 turnovers a game. He has eight rebounds, eight assists, but still, DeJounte Murray is not an all-star. They need an all-star on that team. And it's sad to see Greg Popovich kind of have to deal with this team yeah. in his highlight years. Um, it, it's, it's, not, it's not great. Yeah, it sucks that he has a rebuilding team because I don't know how many years he has left coaching. Yeah, one of the greatest coaches uh, we'll ever see, and he's stuck with this team. It's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, but the last two teams that division are the Houston Rockets and the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, they both have one win only. Uh, Houston is one and five. New Orleans is one and six. Um, with Houston, they have Jalen Green, uh, who for he's a 14-point per game scorer, but he's not efficient at all. His PER is extremely low. <laughs> And a part of me is happy about that because he, he said a lot coming out of uh, the draft. He said he didn't want to be in Detroit. And, uh, yeah, don't be in Detroit. You know, be average those uh, 14 points per game on a losing team and don't contribute to the defense. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be a, a superstar. I think he's going to be an offensive threat. But uh, very much like um, um, Monte Ellis or uh, someone of that sort where you just play on offense and you don't really make an impact anywhere else. The bigger rookie on that team is Alfred Sangoon who I think is going to be quite an interesting big man to watch. So take a look for him uh, in the next few years. I think that guy's going to make an impact in the league. New Orleans Pelicans, what can I say? Uh, no Zion, no winning. Um, they're, they're not. Big gumbos, big gumbos coming back in two to three weeks. That's the latest. <laughs> two to three weeks, but uh, I don't know that uh, when they got uh, Devontae Graham as their, um, as their um, uh, point guard, it's not it's not working. So uh, we'll see. I think that's going to be one of those teams that's going to be fighting for that number one pick. Uh, and it also might be a year where uh, Zion might be looking for a new feature next year. So we'll see how that team progresses. Um, but yeah, uh, that's the league. That's um, it's two weeks in. We got some interesting uh, re- revelations, but uh, we'll see how things go. Absolutely. Yeah, you're awesome. right about the uh, the Luka Doncic uh, utilization rate is too high. He's like the Derrick Henry of the Mavs. Exactly. <laughs> what happened to Derrick Henry in, in football? He injured himself. He's not out for the year in IR. Yeah. So yeah. if that happens to Luka, sheesh. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, should we kick off our uh, weekly discussion topics? Yeah, go for it, Moynock. Awesome. Well, okay. Uh, I think you guys have seen it, but this year the NBA has instituted a rule change as it as it pertains to officiating and uh, offensive player enforced contact um, that you see the James Hardens and, and Steph Curry, uh, Trey Youngs of the world's all using uh, when they jump into their defender, if they get him to bite on the pump fake. Um, and now part of this is art in, in, in basketball. And it's a, it's a tactic that a lot of these elite offensive players have used. But now that the N- NBA has started cracking down on it, uh, it, it's interesting to see how some of these top players aren't as efficient uh, as they used to be because they could go to the free throw line and just knock down a pair of free throws um, and, and boost their stats and, and their offensive rating. But really what's happened this year in the NBA is points are actually down um, in terms of just total offensive efficiency and, and ratings. Uh, the points per game per 100 possessions for an NBA team has gone up for the past six seasons. Um, and it's actually down by six points per game this year which is crazy to think just because how much talent there is in the league and how, how much offensive firepower there is. But part of that reason could be explained by the new rule change. So curious to hear your guys' thoughts about how, uh, how effective this is for the league um, and, and what it means for you as a fan. So just to clarify what the rule change is. So this is what uh, Monarch is referring to. So the acting officials are trained to look out for um, certain things that are now deemed offensive fouls going forward. When a shooter launches or leans into defender at an abnormal angle, so if you're pump fake a three and then you lean into the, uh, into the defender, that is now an offensive foul. When a shooter kicks his leg up or to the side at an abnormal angle, so if you're, uh, again, doing pump fake and then you jump up and you kick your leg out, uh, offensive foul. And then when you veer off his path, so when you're not in a normal shooting motion and you're kind of looking for contact, that is now an offensive foul. So those are the, you know, the three big changes. Um, you know what my favorite is? The little hook where uh, someone's, someone's driving and then Harden literally just hooks the player with his, uh, with his arm and then acts like it's a foul. That so one's in Yeah, so annoying. Like I'm so sick of Harden's bullshit. The rule change is great for the league. Even if offensive scoring is down, Nobody wants to see James Harden, Trey Young, all these people jump into defenders. It's a loophole in the game, and I'm glad that it's gone. And I think the the points, the offensive uh, scoring will go up. I think our sample size is six games right now, so I think the, that'll be fine. I don't think that's really going to take a hit. The people that are taking a hit just seems to be Harden. Trey Young is still scoring. So so let me let me read this off to you. So in terms of the change in points per game for the following players – here, here's some notable ones. So Steph Curry's points per game are down three points um, a, a, per game. Bradley Beal down seven wow. points per game. Uh, Damian Lillard down 10 points per game. Uh, Joel Embiid down seven and a half points per game. Um, it, it, it's a pretty material difference uh, when you think about this rule change and what it can mean for players who are easily able to get to the free throw line. Um, I mean, I don't think these are mutually exclusive, but, uh, you know, it, it's a pretty correlated um trend that we're starting to see so far in in the early season yeah i'll say uh i mean when james harden won his mvp and when he was in houston i'm interested i kind of want to see what are the stats that led to 
him being that offensive threat. How much of that came from the free throw line? Because that guy, and I'll, I'll look it up, but uh, that guy, uh, he lives and dies by the, the free throw line. I want to say he was like top three, maybe top five in uh, field goal or free throw attempts that season. But yeah. yeah, I totally believe. What do you guys think about potentially bringing the hand check back as please, a defender? Please, please bring the hand check back. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I just I just threw you a lob card. No, that was just like a you know lob city for you. That, that was straight up Dwayne Wade to LeBron. Please bring the hand check back. Oh my god, that the amount of softness that came into the league after the hand check uh, left is ridiculous. LeBron James would not be LeBron James without the hand check rule. No, dude, a hand check wouldn't stop him. Yeah, it yes, literally it would not stop it him. Did. When the when the Detroit Pistons were uh, the dominant force in that team. It wasn't until the handshake was uh, was taken away when LeBron actually started becoming a thing because Detroit would knock him down, you know, keep him on the perimeter, and he would he would do nothing. He's not on the perimeter threat. Now I, he's, he's kind of refined. I can't him. see them bringing the handshake back because that would actually affect offense more than right. Like yeah. like uh, jumping into a foul. That there's like maybe ten players that do that a lot, but handshaking would be like a pretty significant change. Well, hand checking would stop you from like, all right, you can now actually run an offense. It's no longer Steph Curry shooting from the logo or Damian Lillard shooting from the logo off like a high pick and roll. It is, there's legitimate sets being run. There are reverse uh, back screens. There's some actual fundamental basketball being played to create some offense. And it's not just based on talent. It's based on our teamwork and the will to win. That's why the handshake should be back. It is ridiculous. It, it is absolutely ridiculous. To see this, how much this, this the league of super teams, not teamwork. It's a, it's a league of superheroes. I don't want it to be superheroes, all right? It, there needs to be some teamwork here because there were teams like the Detroit Pistons. And uh, if, you, if you read uh, Bill Simmons' book, the book on basketball, Isaiah Thomas said something about the secret to winning. And the secret to winning is you need to have a team that is selfless, team first, maybe not statistically great, but everyone works for each other and everyone gives each other touches to win and, win the, uh, and can sustain winning. You know, with these super teams, all right, LeBron does it one year. They're going to create a super team, and a superstar is just going to take over the other side with another uh, two superstars to compliment. There's no longer team basketball. People like uh, uh, Corey Joseph or um, you know Kelly Olynyk or some of these backups on a super team, they'd be they'd be 12th role players. Whereas now they're making an impact because it's team basketball on a, on a team that you know everyone needs to share. So the handshake will allow people to play team basketball, not no longer allow this perimeter centric bullshit three point the problem the problem is it's been so long of this new kind of league where three-point shooting is dominating so all these fans and especially all the younger fans are probably modeling their game after the current league so they're i don't think they're i don't think this rule is going to come back ever let me ask you this why did the handshake go out in the first place who was dominating the league when the handshake was in place who are the players that are the most dominant players or teams type of player because right now he says the three-point shooter. What what type of player dominated the league? Well, okay, what, when was the hand check instituted? Uh, the, 2004, 2005. Instituted or taken away? Taken away, sorry, taken away. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know, but I, I mean, I, I guess, I mean, what, what's the, what, what, what are you insinuating that the NBA was trying to do there? Boost well, the population win. Yeah, it's basically changing the game up to let the perimeter because it, three point shooting was down, and it was the post players, the Kevin Garnett, the Tim Duncan's, yeah, those type of the Rashid Wallace's, Antonio McDice was even had like a pretty nice, uh, you know, fadeaway post move um, that were dominating the league. 
and people were getting bored of that. Now they want the three-point shot. But what made a comeback last year? Who is the player in the NBA Finals and elite in the NBA playoffs on the Western Conference that made the postgame something? Who? Jokic. Oh, Jokic. Jokic, yes, yeah. Jokic. I was going to say Aiton, but yeah. Jokic, oh, yeah, he, that's true. Yeah. Big men that kind of came back and, you know, made big men what they were. I mean, they brought back the big men renaissance. Those are two players, and now the NBA is wanting to bring that back, you know? So bring back the handshake. Bring it back. Let us know the Cardinals basketball. I don't know if it's because these players are arising, they, they want to bring it back. I think it's just there's just good big men now, like Aiton and Bede. They're all good big men post players. Which yeah, maybe yeah. we were lacking like in the last 10 years, but. Well, 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 there, there were some players there. There were some pretty good players. Uh, they just didn't, never had their chance. Chris Bosh, fantastic player, but he became a three-point shooter in the end. Um, but he, that guy in the yeah. beginning of his game was a phenomenal post player. Uh, oh, let me clarify. I mean, the hand check, this is just an idea thrown out by Moynak. Uh, it's not coming back, unfortunately, <laughs> but it should. It totally should. Well, back to the original topic on on just the rule change itself. I mean, uh, I saw Pat Beverly. He he got called for because he tried to do that move where, where you stop and then you let the guy hit you when you're crossing the timeline. Um, it, it, you know, I'm glad that Pat Beverly <laughs> took the brunt of that one. But uh, it, it's it, it's good. These are all good changes that used to frustrate us as fans. So just to round the conversation out here, you know, I think this is positive for the league and like, who cares if they score six less points? I mean, it's going to make games more competitive. It's going to make it more interesting and it'll really be a testament to the players who can step above that and, and score on their own will. Like this isn't going to affect KD. KD doesn't care about, about that. He's just going to get buckets no matter what. Um, I think that that's going to be a good time for, for players like that to, to continue shining. It's time to play defensive basketball. So if you look at the, the rookie picks this past year, you have the number one pick, Cade Cunningham, 6'8", six, six, um, you know, really good stretch uh, stretch uh, guard, but he can kind of play the the, uh, the wing position as well, and he can play defense. Jalen Green, offensive threat, can't play defense. I don't know. Um, Evan Mobley, he's a post presence and can play the perimeter, but big man. He can play, uh, and he doesn't need this. Uh, he can play some physical basketball. Alfred and Sangoon play physical basketball. Um, you know, all, I can go down the list. These guys can play physical basketball. So really separate. Who are going to be the, the next set of superstars? And who's just going to be, you know, I relied on watching Steph Curry shoot threes, and I'm going to try and do that. Oh, boy, they can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't just get uh, foul shots off uh, trying to fake um, defenders out and trying to uh, build uh, contact in the, on, the, uh, on the perimeter. So, um it's, it's, it's going to be a new league, and I'm, I'm excited. I want, I want the hand check back, though. Thank you, Moynak. We want the hand check back. So let's go back to the 90-point games, 90 points per game. Thank you, yes. First one to 90 to wins. Go back to the era where the Pistons held the record number of teams under 70 points. I want that. <laughs> that is the uh, perfect segue into the second topic of the day, which is the New York Knicks. Corno, I think you should be high up on these guys. They are the best, I think they're the fourth ranked, but probably a little higher, top three defensive team in the NBA right now. And they are doing this without, I don't even think they have anyone on the all NBA defensive teams uh, at all. I mean, Julius Randle's a good defender, but none of them are, are all-star defenders. And they are first in the league to opponents, opponents' points per game. They're holding their opponents to 104.7 points per game. 
And that just is uh, very, very impressive, uh, considering that they've played some pretty good teams so far, too. Um, now, besides that, their offense is fine. Uh, they have three, I think they have four players uh, scoring, three players scoring over 15 a game. Julius Randle rounds it out first, Fournier second, uh, and then we got Kemba at third. And then uh, D Rose is pretty close to 15. I think he's at 13 points per game. So their offense is very spread out. There's not one person just dominating and ball hogging. They're playing really good team basketball. Obviously, their defense is incredible. And I think we can attest a lot of this to Tom Thibodeau. Uh, it's actually incredible uh, what he's been able to do with this team. Obviously, Julius Randle's an all-star. But other than that, they really just got a, a decent pieces. I mean, Kemba Walker is injured half the time, but even now he's playing well. So I think that what the New York Knicks are doing, what Tom Thibodeau is doing is incredible. He's really got a good team basketball culture going on there. And uh, I'm excited to see what they do, but yeah, Corno and we're not curious to hear your thoughts on, on the Knicks and Corno, especially yours on their defense. You guys, uh, you guys ever watched the garden was Eden, the, uh, documentary on ESPN 30 for 30 on the Knicks. It was about the 1970s Knicks uh, that had Phil Jackson, Walt Frazier, um, Earl Monroe, Bill Bradley, uh, Willis Reed, some of these old school guys. And the reason why they were so popular uh, is because they were not only so diverse, but they played team basketball and had a very good uh, defensive mindset. Um, but it, it's funny, you guys should check out the documentary, but that, that was kind of the, the golden years of, uh, of MSG becoming popular for the Knicks and really a time when they had a lot of success. Uh, I, I mean, Walt Frazier was probably the star of, of that team, but it just an interesting segue that this could be like the Renaissance team for the Knicks where they finally have this eclectic group of, uh, of players, um, who may just have figured it out defensively and, and really get there and really get each other's strengths. So uh, just parallel there that I was thinking of, because we have not seen good Knicks basketball uh, for years. So it's, a, it's been an interesting few months for, for that franchise. I totally forgot uh, their third leading scorer, RJ Barrett. I think everyone kind of glossed over him because Zion was like a generational talent, but the guy is holding his own. He's averaging 17 points a game and almost six rebounds a game. That's, that's on a, on a five, now five and two team, but yeah. Really I think high. he had like a career high 35, yep. like the other day or yep. something. Yep. Yeah. So um, one thing I'm, uh, I found interesting, I'm just looking at the Knicks, uh, their team stats. There are three players averaging over one block a game. There's, they're averaging six blocks a game. Julius mm -hmm. Randall's averaging 1.2. Mitchell Robinson's averaging 1.2. Taj Gibson's averaging 1.3. <laughs> Obi Toppin is averaging yep. uh, uh, one block a game. Obi Toppin, who I didn't really think was a defensive presence, but fantastic. Um, it, it is, it, I mean, it's Tom Thibodeau team. Uh, Tom Thibodeau, he is one of the last good defensive coaches because that guy just lives and breathes defensive basketball. Uh, if you look at every team that he's gone by, uh, he's at the Chicago Bulls. They were a fantastic defensive team. And they're also that team that had D Rose, Jimmy Butler, Joe Kim Noah. And um, there's someone else I'm missing there. Uh, oh, um, Lou Waldang. Mm -hmm. yeah. Gibson, ironically um and they were a phenomenal team of the uh early 2000 or mid 2000s um you know that gave lebron a run for his money many years uh, then he went to minnesota and he took them to the playoffs for the first time with um you know jimmy butler again 
even though he had to deal with Cat, who doesn't want to play defense, uh, Carol Anthony Towns, he somehow made it with D. Rose and Jimmy Butler, uh, you know, kind of shouldering that defense alone. D. Rose, who's not really a defensive player, but, yep. you know, he can hold his own in, in a Tom Thibodeau defense. And yep. now he's here. Um, he's here, and he made Julius Randle, who wasn't really known for his defense when he was at L.A. I mean, he was just kind of a, a you know, a round, or round bound of rebound uh, with some yep. uh, offensive post game. But now he's he's quite something, uh, you know. He's averaging 20 points per game, nine rebounds, nine defensive rebounds, 11 rebounds, um, 1.2 yep. blocks, and you almost know, a per game. Uh, you, know, you know who's the X factor that's missing for the Knicks right now? Jimmy Butler? No, Nerlens Noel. The guy, oh, yeah. <laughs> the, guy injured. the guy's actually pretty valuable. I mean, he, he is a really good uh presence in the paint in terms of just defending the paint and getting blocks like it's because he's like seven he's like seven i think he's over seven feet or maybe he's seven feet he's huge yeah and his wingspan yeah. is humongous yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. single-handedly i single-handedly took over with nerlens once against neil and 2k <laughs> well the thing with neil and 2k is neil will always lose to some random role player yeah, yeah. <laughs> an astute observation and that happens all the time <laughs> And it's always a defensive player, like Nerlens Noel yeah. for Moynak. And for me, it's always Pat Beverly. Pat Beverly. Pat Beverly <laughs> will always go in on Neil. Uh, Neil is not very good at 2K, guys. The amount of games I have played with Moynak in the last two years is astounding. And I think probably at 50-50 split. But Okay. <laughs> okay, so he's, he's touting his, his winning record on a 50-50 split here. That's how, that's how fresh Neil is at 2K. This sounds like um, Michigan State players talking about their rivalry with Michigan. Well, yeah, I mean, look how many UA games we won the last couple of years. <laughs> you guys won the last couple of years. All right, Marva. Uh, but yeah, going back to the Knicks, uh, I'm, I'm very – defense wins championships, and I'm normally not a Knicks fan because, you know, Detroit rules all. Um, but I, I, you, can't, you can't help but love this New York Knicks team. You can't help but love a team that doesn't really have, like, a, a bona fide superstar. It's kind of – you know, they have a star in Julius Randle, but – He's not, again, doesn't have an all-defense team. He is an all-star, but not an NBA top, um, you know, first-team player. He's good. He's good. But um, it's nice to see a team. That's the last of a dying breed of teams is this New York Knicks team's basketball, and you can't help but fall in love with that team. They're a likable team. I don't think there's a single player on that team that's that's dislikable. Obviously, Derrick Rose is extremely likable, but everyone on that team seems pretty humble and uh, just hardworking. I think the only slight concern – uh, Julius Randle is leading in in points, rebounds, and assists. As I think he also has a pretty high utilization, so they need to. It, I I don't know if it makes sense that he's leading in assists. I feel like their guards need to step up a little bit there. Uh, but yeah, they also need to be careful with him because I do think if they lose him, it's probably over for them as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, right now Obi Toppin's only averaging uh, sixteen points a game. He looks like their backup um, uh, power forward, so maybe increase his, his utilization maybe a little bit or um have Mitchell Robinson and Taj Gibson kind of take on that you know uh dual towers role in the in the backup uh game but yeah uh the Julius Randle situation and kind of like uh Luka Doncic they yeah. need to rest easy on him because uh, I mean Julius Randle has injury history as well um, mm-hmm. he does the thing is uh I mean even though Julius Randle is uh you know he's the most good player in terms of efficiency um there are some players that are even more efficient than him. D Rose and Kemba Walker. Uh, mm-hmm. They both have PER over 21. 
which is uh, great. I mean, uh, their the backcourt presence is fantastic. And um, even though they kind of play the same position, um, you could kind of go a dual, uh, uh, you know, a two ball handler, def- uh, two ball handler backcourt. And um, I, I think if they, if they transition to a backcourt game and give uh, Julius Randle some relief in that sense, uh, they, they could make a run. They could make a run. It's weird to see. And not even weird. It's just strange. It seems like Kemba Walker is, well, I don't know if playing better it was only six games, but he seems more in the zone, uh, just playing at just, a, I don't know, a different level than he was on the Celtics. And maybe it's because Boston is toxic to its players right now or vice versa, but I don't know. I'll say this in defense of Boston, Boston is a city where it's not, so much toxic but like you have to be of a right kind of fabric to be in boston yeah. kind of like philly new york if you just play well they'll embrace you um i mean new york is very adaptable uh it's a city for everyone uh boston is very selective so yeah. you have to be Boston material and uh kyrie irving clearly wasn't uh kemba i think boston doesn't really have any ill will it's just his knees were not there mm-hmm. and they expected him to be a kyrie replacement uh which just wasn't the case um philly that's another city that just, um, you know, you need to have be a certain fabric. You need to be thick skin because they'll hate you one day and love you the next. They're chanting, we want Dame in their game. But yeah. Can't blame them. Can't yeah. Blame them. But, um, no, I mean, that New York Knicks team, um, I, I, I'm interested to see, like, what do you think? Do you think they're going to be a, a top four seed? A, a, you know, maybe a, a, mid, a mid seed? Or are they going to be a, um, a playing team? They can't let Trey Young fuck them again. That's basically. Yeah. That, yeah, basically, what it comes down to, if you got to play defense when it matters, yeah, you got to be clutch. I mean, the thing about the Knicks is like, you know, it's all good, well, and good right now in the regular season. I mean, city of uh, New York, the streets are going wild. Triple O, I, I mean, after that first game, the city was absolutely <laughs> yeah. nuts. Like, I thought Michigan State was great when we won against Michigan for burning couches, but that was some other level. Yeah, <laughs> it's because they're hungry and they haven't had this kind of basketball in a long time, so I don't blame them. Yep. Um, but, um, yeah, I think they could easily be a top four seed in the East uh, if, they, if they continue at this rate and pending any injuries. Nothing, nothing stopping them. What do you think? Uh, on how far the Knicks make it? What seed? They, what seed do you think they're going to be? Um, I think I think they're a four seed. I, there's there's three better teams than them, and that's just because they have pure talent, and it's a talent driven league right now. And I still stick by that when it matters. So. It's really it's really a challenge for them for the Knicks to to see if they can lock in when it matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like what happened last with Trey Young, um, they just gotta lock in and you know make sure that that first round exit doesn't happen. Um, which leads us to our third topic: uh, the contenders versus the pretenders. Um, so we are in the first two weeks of the season. So six games in, not even ten percent of the season in. But I think we're gonna have this recurring theme of you know who are the contenders right now, who are the pretenders. So we talked about the New York Knicks. They're currently. Um, in the top four in uh, the Eastern Conference, they are sitting at uh, number three. But um, actually, no, they're not. They should be sitting at one. I thought they just lost. Oh, they just lost. Yeah, yeah number three right now. Uh, so the New York Knicks have just lost to Toronto. They're sitting in the three spot. So um, I'll say, like I'll ask you guys this. Oh, so we said they're going to be maybe a top four seed or maybe a mid round seed. Do you think they have a they're a threat to actually win the championship? Are they a contender this year? Or are they a pretender still? Still a pretender. Still a pretender. Just, okay. Does pretender mean it is you're a pretender? I'll tell you right now. You're a pretender if you outperform in the regular season and you get bounced in the semifinals. 
if you're the Utah Jazz, basically if you're the Utah Jazz, Jazz. right? That's fair. Semifinals, yeah, yeah. No, I don't think they have enough to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. So then, yeah, in that case, they are probably pretenders. I'll say this: I'll put them in the contenders, and the reason why there are two factors here. One is injuries. If New York can stay healthy. And the same thing happened last year with the top three teams. So um, Joel Embiid, I mean, Philly for me is not a threat for the championship this year. Regardless of, um, you know, how good Joel Embiid is, not there yet. And we'll get to more about them later. But if the other two teams, if uh, Brooklyn, if Kevin Durant somehow gets injured, which is, is a real possibility, if James Harden gets injured, which again, real possibility, then, you know, I'll take New York over them. I'll take New York over them because that defense will wear you down. And, um, it, it, they could they could lead them to the NBA Finals. And from there, you just don't know what happens. You don't I think know. the league would nah, – no, nah, probably not the league. I think New York would explode if we had a Knicks versus Nets playoff series. <laughs> yeah, that would be civil war. Yeah. That would be wild. That would be so wild. I don't know. I mean, the city will probably support the Knicks, right? Yeah, yeah for the most part, yeah. Uh, in the Nets. Go Steve Nash. <laughs> uh, I mean, all right, so next, uh, two, two v one on contender versus pretender, uh, two to pretend, one to contend. Uh, the next best team in that league is the Miami Heat, which um, I'll I'll start with this one. Miami Heat's a pretender. I unfortunately they're a pretender. Uh, I love Duncan Robinson. I love Jimmy Butler. And if it's another bubble year, yes, they're a contender. But it's just not there. It's it's not. What's what's not there? It's not cohesive. I, I just don't think that offense is actually. Like, I think it's the, too reliant on three pointers. It's not reliant on three pointers and Jimmy Butler. It's not. There's no offensive system there. There's no. All right, this is my first score, second score, third score. It's more of like, all right, who's hot on three today? And all right, Jimmy Butler take us the rest of the way. Kyle Lowry hopefully can write the ship, but it's too early to tell for me. Uh, Dude, I just don't see it. The sets that Spolster draws up are awesome, and it's all designed to give the hot shooter a chance to a chance to do what they do. And how like, how did that lead them last year? They were spanked by the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, look, that was like a revenge series. Like, I don't think what happened two years ago was a fluke. I think that was really their team just bringing out the best in each other. And, and they came back, they, they revamped, they have Oladipo on the sidelines. Jimmy Butler is healthy. Bam Adebayo is averaging more than 20 points a game. This is a team that has some deep talent. Um, I think I say they're a contender. Do I think that they're better than the Bucks or the Nets? Not quite yet, but I sure think that they're number three and anything can happen in, in the playoffs. I mean, they were, they, they beat the Bucks four to one uh, two years ago. In the bubble, I'm looking at asterisk next to that whole year. Well, no, no, no. Let's take let's take that back. But I think that was a fluke for sure. But that could happen. Like if you have good shooting and a good offensive system with versatile players, I I I think that they're definitely a threat and they're they're more of a contender. I I I don't know. I I I don't. I I love Eric Spolstra. I think he's probably a top five coach in the league, if not maybe top three. I'm putting Pop at one. I could put him actually two. I could put him at two. Uh, I really like Tibbs, but um, you know, Pop Tibbs him. Um, as like, if Nash isn't there, oh man, not your loyalties. Yeah. He's yeah. a top. He's a top ten coach right now. Nash, he still needs to prove he can win. Uh, but Eric Spolstra has been there. He's proved it. Uh, he's a, he's a student of the a student of the game. But I just don't. I think he's too reliant on you know. It's not. It's not an Eric Spolstra offense. It is a all right. What's hot with the three pointers, and then you just kind of fly with there. It's not. Yeah. It, it, it just. 
the sets they run are are good, but I feel like most of their office ends up being ISO ISO but basketball. Talk to me in May. <laughs> Old Depot could potentially be a huge difference maker, though. I am. I yeah. yeah. I don't think Old Depot is actually going to play on that team. I really don't. I think he's going to be a trade asset because he's not. He's injury liability. He hasn't really played. I don't think he wants to play there. Um, like, where's his where's touches going to come from? Because you have um, Tyler Hero who needs touches now, and you need to give the young ball a young player some touches. You have uh, Jimmy Butler who is the offense. You have Kyle Lowry who now needs the ball. You have Bam, Bam Adebayo who needs the ball. And where is uh, Oladipo going to fit in? Where is his touches going to come from? True. Unless he's at the point where he's like, I am on a potential championship contending team. Why don't I just stay and sacrifice my touches? Nah. He's kind of a vet now. No, he, he needs to – I think he left Indiana to prove that I'm, I'm, I'm a superstar. And uh, I don't think he got it yet. So I don't see it. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so that is the, the second team. We talked about, um, uh, New York Knicks, Chicago Bulls. Um, that is a team that I'm going to put in the, uh, in the pretender series as well. Agreed. Huge uh, pretenders. Huge Agreed. Uh, I don't think Billy Donovan is, uh, can lead a team to the championship. Uh, DeMar, I love, and I think DeMar is the only one that has like pedigree deep into the playoffs there. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Vucevic big pretender. Um, Vucevic is not that good. Um, I think he's just getting lucky because he played the Pistons twice. Um, and then uh, Lonzo Ball getting there, but I, I think uh, it, it's funny to see that Lonzo Ball is not being trusted in clutch time. It's going to Alex Caruso, which I love, but um, <laughs> Lonzo's not clutch. And then Zach Levine is, uh, he needs his touches and I don't think he can lead the team to, you know, a playoff victory. I think he's a regular season guy, not a playoff guy. Did you guys see that alley-oop, though, that Caruso? Yeah. Levine alley-oop. Oh, my God. That's a fun – it's a fun team to watch. Alex Caruso could be – you know, living in Chicago, I might get myself a Caruso jersey because I love that guy. He's he's a blessing. But that's a pretender team. It is a pretender team. Um, A couple other teams that uh, we can talk about in um, the East before we move to the West – Washington Wizards, uh, Moynak, you mentioned Pretender. 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 All right. Yep. Bradley Bill. is not going to lead that team to great, great, uh, greatness. I, I like what they're doing right now, but, like, come on. Al Kuzma is going to not play well, and then it's just going to it's gonna yeah. self-destruct. These, both, these guys both have their LeBron hats on where they, they don't trust in Kyle. <laughs> uh, but what, what's the missing piece of that team? Because they have some – they have Experience. Some Playoff experience. Bradley Bill's been there. Okay, Kuzma has a ring. <laughs> By averaging like eight <laughs> points a game. Um, a ring. Trez has a ring. No, Trez doesn't have a ring. Sorry, Montrez does not. He does not. Yeah. Um, all right. But all right, Washington's a pretender. And I'll, I'll agree. Philadelphia 76ers, pretender. I think we can all Always. agree. Consistently annual pretenders. They will make it as whenever they make it to the playoffs and choke. I'll caveat on this. I will say Philadelphia can be a contender if they get that Ben Simmons uh, situation resolved and bring in a star. If they get uh, Damian Lillard, theoretically, that's a contender now. Yeah. Because they have defense. Joel Embiid can play defense. Matthias Tybalt can play defense. Uh, Tobias Harris, who's injured right now, can can knock it on the defense. Um, and then uh, Korkmaz can play defense. Um, they're, um, Seth Curry can actually play really good defense. 
Seth Curry can play better defense than his brother. Yeah. Um, and then they got a Tyrese Maxey, who's who's pretty good on defense. He's a great perimeter defender. Yeah. Uh, at least, uh, I mean, he's quick and nimble. He may not have the size, but that guy, he's shifty. They, they, if, if I'm a 76ers GM owner, though, I, I feel like there's a lot of talk of, or there's a lot of teams probably like, okay, we'll give you a few first round picks for Ben Simmons, but I don't, I don't think that's a, that's the right move. You need talent right now. He's right now, yeah. They're win now mode. Uh, I mean, Joel Embiid has injury history. Yeah. Uh, he's a big man too, so they don't last long. They're the running backs of the NBA. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Why not? What do you think on uh, Philly? Tender. Tender. Uh, yeah. And if they don't win this year, do you think this is Doc, Simmons, uh, Doc Rivers last year? Dude, it should be. Man, that guy, guy's choke artist. He is a choke yeah, artist. He did win one with that. Yeah, yeah, and he should have done it again. He should have yeah. done it again the next year. Someone fact check me, but he hasn't made a conference finals since Boston, has he? No, you might be right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he hasn't. And he's had great teams. It's not like yeah, he's, he's had fantastic teams. teams. Yeah. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give three more teams in the East before I move to the West. The um, Milwaukee Bucks. Contender. Real deal. Contender. Yeah. Yep, I, I agree. I think it's just injuries, and uh, they'll get there. They'll get there. Uh, when Dante DiVincenzo comes, that's going to be a, a, a real deal offense. Yeah, that team's going to be so good. I think it's going to be a box and one. Or, sorry, a reverse box and one. So, a big man that's kind of dominating, eating everything from 18 feet out, and then all these shooters. Dude, Brooke Lopez is so skilled, too. That guy, that guy yeah. balls. He balls. He looks so awkward, and his brother looks like a caveman. But man, the Lopez brothers, dude, Brooke, he's a he's a solid player. I hate Defensive for what he did to Michigan, but he's a good yeah. player. Hey, you're gonna hate Kenneth Walker too for what he did to Michigan. Oh God! I uh, give a little Kenneth Walker for Heisman shout out there. He fumbled. He fumbled. Yeah, he didn't no, cross he the didn't line. Cross the <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk that because I might agree on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, uh, Brooklyn Nets, the most interesting contender. Team. Contender. Uh, I think as long as you have Durant on the team, you're a contender. Okay, I, I heard, okay, I thought I heard pretender. Contender, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. They, I think they need to make a couple moves. Um, I think Kyrie needs to get out of there and just put put some more assets. But um, heard me updates on that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and then uh, the last team I'll say um, is uh, there are two teams actually. Sorry, I'm gonna put two more teams. Boston Celtics first, pretender. 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 And then Charlotte Hornets. Pretender. Yeah. I actually have them. They're a surprise team to uh, make the conference finals. There's just, there's so much inexperience. They're so young. Yeah. Atlanta could do it last year. I think this team is, uh, is a little bit more equipped than Atlanta. I think they're a better team than last year's Atlanta team. Hey man, you should, you should put money on it. That's, that's a, that'd be a really interesting bet yeah, to take. Yeah. I got to check the FanDuel odds on that one, but I, <laughs> I could put some odds, uh, some money on uh, Charlotte to make the conference finals because they're my dark horse team. Uh, I didn't mention Atlanta because I think they're pretender. I think you both agree to that. Um, yeah. But uh, let's move on to the West. So first we'll start team, with, uh, let's start, we should start with Utah. Yeah. I was just going to say the number one team and they're always consistently always. the number one team in the West every regular season. And the ultimate pretender, the Utah yeah. Jazz. Ultimate pretender. So well, right. here's here's my take, and it pains me to say this because I love Donovan Mitchell, but he's just not an efficient scorer, and he he has the entire arsenal. He's just, he's supposed to be the second coming of Dwayne Wade with a better jump shot, with a be, with a better three, three point, point shooter, three point shot. But 
his efficiency has been really bad since his rookie season. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if he is the guy, like he'll obviously, I mean, he is the guy he's going to score 50 points one game, but when it, when it matters and, and you need him to show up, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I just don't know if, cause he hasn't had that moment where he's taken his team far enough in the playoffs. Um, and, and it's not all his fault. I mean, it, it's definitely a team effort and, they're so good right now at either shooting in the key or at the three-point line that they have the offensive and defensive arsenal to go far, but for whatever reason, they just haven't figured it out. Do you think it's because, um, I mean, he's kind of their whole offense, really. Uh, Rudy Gobert, his, his offense comes from just, you know, setting picks and getting uh, putbacks. Mike Conley was there, was supposed to be there to kind of take that role from him, but I Mike Conley hasn't really done it. I mean, he's good. He's good. Mike Conley is an all-star. He's good. But uh, it's kind of the same thing, you know, perimeter guy um, can't really drive as much, but you know, can't really, if, if it's, if he doesn't have Donovan Mitchell, he's just distributing because he can't generate his own. I would offense. say, I would say even Jordan Clarkson, Jordan Clarkson is probably their second best option on offense. I agree. And he's a bench player. Yeah. Yeah. Going back and an interesting morning after you mentioned that Dwayne Wade team. So when I think about that 2016, that was the one that won the championship, right? Um, right. So 2016, Dwayne Wade was good. I mean, he was really good, but the year before he didn't really do much. They kind of, I think they got bumped in the first round um, or maybe the in second o- round. In 05? In 05. Did they get bumped in the they second took, round? They took the Pistons to the conference finals. Was that? No, I thought 05 was, uh, oh. Yeah. Okay, I'm getting my years mixed up. Okay, yeah, they did. Um, but th- th- they had uh, Shaq. The year before that, I think, uh, was a rookie year. I think they were bumped in the first round uh, by Indiana or something. So I'm going the year before Shaq. What I'm trying to get at is the year before Shaq, um, you know, they were good. But, uh, I mean, Dwayne Wade was kind of everything there. Uh, they, they had, um, I think, uh, Lamar Odom, but he really wasn't doing much. They had um, uh, someone else, uh, I think Jordan Hill or something. Uh, uh, again, Rasul Butler was there too, but it was kind of a Dwayne Wade team. It wasn't until Dwayne Wade got his interior offensive threat in Shaq when that team kind of took off. And yeah. Bear is not that guy for um, – Yeah, not uh, at all. What, yeah. If, if they traded, uh, you know, Rudy Gobert for maybe a, uh, a Bam Adebayo or a, uh, you know, someone that actually is an interior threat but can actually play offense, would that change him to a contender? Yes. I think so, but that team's defensive identity starts with Gobert. Like Gobert is so good on on defense that that you know that's almost more important sometimes in uh in deep in the playoffs. It is. Um, yeah, it is. So I, I do think he's a valuable asset. It's really on their role players, like the the Bogdanoviches of the world, to to hit the big shots and and the Joe Ingles to hey, to Joe do Ingles, what they do. Joe Ingles can hit that guy. I know, I know, but they got to do that. Otherwise, you know, they're, they're going to call them pretenders. And, yeah, go on, go ahead. And, and uh, the, heat, the, the Heat in 0-4 actually beat the, the Hornets in Wade's rookie season in, in the first round and then lost to the Pacers in the second round. Right, that Hornets team. Did that Hornets team have uh, Baron Davis? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Good old days of basketball, guys. That's the good old days. <laughs> um, all right, moving on from the Jazz, the ultimate pretenders. I think um, I'm going to put them in – Pretenders until they make a move, and if they can get another, uh, you know, offensive swingman, inside-outside scorer threat, uh, that's contender there. Uh, Golden State Warriors. Contenders always. Contenders. I'm going to yeah. put them 
pretender now until Clay comes back. I think it's all show right now. I think it's, it's people are realizing what the hell they have. They have other players other than Steph Curry. Uh, and it's just a, kind of like a shock syndrome right here. Uh, but when Clay comes back, then we'll figure out if they're for real. Because I don't know how good Clay's going to be. I, 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 he's historically been good, but injuries for two years, yeah. you, you just never know. He just shoots the ball, man. He just shoots the ball. You don't lose that he's stroke. Good. He's a good defender. Yeah. Defender. yeah. And they yeah. need him on that side. Yeah. Um, but I'm putting him as a pretender right now until Clay comes back. Yet to, or TBD. TBD for me. TBD. Um, Dallas Mavericks. I hate to say it, pretenders. I love Luca, but yeah, I mean, he is doing way too much. Uh, role players aren't stepping up. Kristaps sucks. Uh, and they, they kind of choke in the playoffs. They do. Yeah, uh, they do. Um, I agree. I mean, pretenders, uh, until, until they find someone else to supplement you, uh, Luca, pretenders. Uh, I'll wrap this up with three teams because uh, I know, um, you know, not, there's not much in the West, and that's for conversation maybe next week on East versus West. Uh, but the last three teams I'll mention are Portland Trailblazers, Pretenders and Contenders. Pretenders. Pretenders, yep. Man, I love Chauncey, though. That's his, uh, <laughs> yeah, hard. It's hard. Guy. Yeah, it's – yeah, I, I, that's that's tough. I mean, they're definitely they're unfortunately pretenders, but want to root for them. Yeah, they, they are. They, I mean, you want them to be contenders. They're. I hope they actually somehow make the conference finals, maybe even the finals. Um, pretenders until um, they get some defense on that team. Uh, LA Clippers. Pretenders. Well, okay. TBD. Is Kawhi out for the season? He's no. out until March, April. March. So they got to make the playoffs. Without yeah, they got to make the playoffs. That's right. Yeah. If they make the playoffs and when Kawhi comes back, then probably contenders. Yeah, I'll say they're going to be a contender because one, they're going to make some uh, trade deadline moves. They're definitely they have to make. Some yeah, they have moves. to. Yeah, they're going to pick up some um, veteran minimums and uh, you know buy out some players. Um, you know, maybe yeah, they're, become available. They're one and four right now. That's yeah, it's tough. But that's tough. They're still a contender for me. Uh, I think they're they're gonna they're gonna get there once uh, if they can just make the playoffs even as a play-in team. Well, yeah. Why you saw what they did last year, um, and they they all they were they were knocking the door of the finals. So I think they're a contender. Uh, and the last team is your guys' favorite, LA Lakers. Pretenders. <laughs> oh man, pretenders. Yeah. Uh, man, I gotta say, I gotta say, they're always you're always gonna be a contender if you have LeBron and AD. Um, we'll 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 see. I'm bearish, but uh, I can't call them a pretender. Moves right. will be made in the it, moves will be made uh, nearing the trade deadline if uh, we open our eyes in, in January and see that or February and see that they have a losing record. Yeah. I'm gonna call them a pretender still. I'm I'm still gonna call them a pretender um, just because uh, you know what Moynak said. You know you can't call them a, cont- a contender uh, without or you can't call them a pretender if they have LeBron and AD. They had LeBron in 80 last year and they were a pretender. So I think um, the league's kind of figured out LeBron's getting old. He can't sustain a whole year. He's, he said that he's going to be um, um, never going to be the same again. He's going to be 80% of himself, or whatever, you know, creating a narrative that LeBron makes for why he's underperforms. Uh, AD is, uh, you know, just three clothes. Uh, he's, he's, I don't think he's going to last the end of the year. 
Um, unless Russell Westbrook kind of carries that team and stops turning the ball over and, you know, starts hitting his shots, that team's a pretender. Um, and I'm, 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 I mean, this is kind of alluding to next week's conversation, but, uh, you know, I think the West is an easy, is a very weak conference right now in terms of they have superstars, but they don't have good teams. Um, and they have some very paper thin teams. So, um, it's, uh, it's going to be, so we're two weeks into the season, you know, we have uh, a very, uh, competitive East a very competitive West, but you have great teams in the East, great individuals in the West. We'll see how things play out. Um, and, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see. I, I, I'm hoping for a Bucks three or two P. Um, I think, uh, my friends here are looking for a Lakers to somehow eke out something. I, I know Moynock secretly wants the heat to somehow win this all. <laughs> um, and you know, if Kate can lead us to victory, you know, if the Pistons can somehow make the playing game, Pistons and Pistons are going to win it. Hey, real, real quick, before we wrap up, uh, which NBA player had the best Halloween costume? Um, oh, man. Who had um... – oh, man. Rondo kind of went hard. Who, what was he? He had a few. Um, he just, like, really did did a lot, like kind of like the weekend level. But... I, I saw – Oh man, I saw I saw LeBron was uh, Freddie. Yeah. Yeah, the LeBron Freddie one was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I I honestly haven't really looked. Uh, I'm taking a look right now, but um, man, that's a good question. Dude, um, damn this! Uh, Robin Lopez and his wife were uh, the Batman penguin, right? and the Penguin. Dude, his wife looks so scary. I've <laughs> <laughs> like, never heard a woman dress up as Danny DeVito. Yeah. Never hear that in my life. <laughs> That's the best one. Yeah, that was that was a really good one. Although um, I will say, Anthony Davis did show out with his. Uh, yeah, he did well too. Grinch. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, so that is the end of episode two. You'll catch us again next week or the week after. I mean, we tried to do this every one or two weeks uh, for episode three. Um, look forward to you know seeing what happens in the next week. The Pistons are going to win a couple. Guarantee it. You heard it here first. Uh, Michigan State's going to beat Purdue next week, and uh, Michigan's going to play pretty well to the end of the year and hopefully knock out Ohio State. So, um, wishful thinking. Yeah, wishful thinking. Going to happen, guys. Believe, believe. <laughs> As Ted Lasso would say, you got to believe. <laughs> but, um, you know, thanks for, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, you know, I will create a uh, social media account for this, um, for this episode and for this uh, series, uh, you know, once we get a good enough following and I can start posting episodes here and you can also talk to us on Twitter once I uh, get that running. So um, look forward to interacting with you guys. Um, if you know us, shoot us a note if you have any questions, but uh, yeah, good luck and uh, see you guys next week. See ya.